Greetings and salutations. This is Darnell Samuels, one half of the Sixth Sense Report. And we're excited to introduce you to a new segment called Extra Change. This is where we interview people whose ideas are pushing the culture forward. Uh, for our first guest, we have Sam Say. And his blog posts have gone viral, so we're really going to look in depth into the articles as well as Sam Say himself. Enjoy. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying. Is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted. Is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Body's illegitimate son. <laughs> Zion Williamson's older brother, the big black blogger himself, slow to write, slow to fight, Samuel Say. Welcome to doing? the show, bro. What are you doing, man? Well, I'm 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 being hospitable by giving you a gracious intro. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. Welcome, brother. Yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm here, man. Good, good. We're we're glad you're here, man. We're glad you're here. Uh, so, first question, very simply, who is Samuel Say? Yeah, um, that's probably the hardest thing you could honest. Uh, <laughs> that's the hardest thing you can ask me, man. Um, okay, so basically, um, you know, Sam, um, uh, I'm born and raised in Ghana. I moved to Canada when I was ten, um, and uh, I'm a I'm a liberal arts and history student at Seneca in uh, York, and uh, go to Grace Fellowship Church in Toronto, um, and I have a little a little blog, uh, slowtoright.com. That's about it I can think of anyway so far. So, I guess there's a couple different questions that I have with regards to blog that I'm sure the answers overlap. So, I mean, my first thought is like. Why write a blog? Why why that method of communication? You know, why not start a podcast? Like some <laughs> two random dudes you're sitting next to. Well, I can't speak as well as you guys can, man. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, so I was um, so uh, Tim Challies is uh, my pastor and my mentor, and I was his intern in the summer of 2013. So just being his intern, I learned so much, and uh, it just gave me um, a passion and a desire to want to you know emulate um the same thing but i really i i mean tim can write about everything you know he he's he's very well read and he knows so much about everything but i didn't really i didn't think there was a need i i couldn't figure out what i had that was new or interesting to to say but then in 2015 um the Ferguson riots um, happened. As I'm watching and reading what's happening, I'm really surprised by a lot of Christians' reaction to it, particularly black Christians. And I had questions that nobody seemed to be asking. I had thoughts that nobody seemed to share. So I thought, okay, well, let me um, start a blog and just, you know, um, you know, instead of being quick to anger and let me mm -hmm. just be slow to speak. And, you know, that's where I came up with being slow to write on, uh, you know, on some of these issues. That's, that's cool. When, 
would you say Tim challenged you to start writing or you just seeing him do it kind of inspired you? No, um, he didn't challenge me until I made it known to him that I wanted to write. Then he's been extremely helpful. He gave me lots of tips. Um, he even had a writing class uh, that I was a part of for some time. It was extremely, extremely helpful. Um, you know, so he definitely challenged me after I made it known to him. Um, I don't think he knew that I had a desire to be a writer uh, before the internship. So. What has been your most popular post? Um, probably the Moses or Marx article. Yeah, that's before that it was. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, I can say this word, but you know, a nigger and an Uncle Tom that had. Uh, 30... No, you, you can say nigger, except, <laughs> except Joel. I can. Okay. <laughs> except I, I can yeah, say nigger. We can say yeah. Joel can't. <laughs> you can't say nigger. <laughs> I wouldn't. I just say n bomb. That's my reverend. <laughs> but um. Yeah, that had uh, I think last I checked thirty thousand hits. Um, but the Moses or Marx article last I checked had fifty thousand hits. Um, so yeah, that'd be it. Yeah, um, I knew that that you know Moses and Marx blew up when I think I don't know if someone sent it to me. It might have been Darnell, or if I saw it naturally uh, when Wretched Radio yeah. kind of was using you as a launch pad. Yeah, was that what was your thoughts when you saw that? <laughs> so I had I think I had just gotten home from work um and I'm tired. I'm about to I think just, you know, take an unintentional nap. Um <laughs> and uh I see on Twitter that Phil Johnson um you know had tagged me in the tweet, you know, saying that uh, he's you know he's um uh, heading to wretched um, you know, radio to talk about my article with uh, Todd Friel. And I'm like, what? So I listened to it and he mentions, like Todd Friel mentions my name. I'm like, what? Like this, is there some other Samuel say that I don't know about? I just, <laughs> it was, it was very odd. Um, so that's how I first, you know, um, heard that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, listening to that, you know, interview with, uh, between the two men, it's just, it's, it's, I'm sh I'm very very surprised that you know the article um, blew up as as much as it did. Well, why do you think? Well, why well, did you write it? Well, I was gonna say, just on that note, why don't we give the listeners who have no clue what we're talking about some context? You know, what made you write it? What uh, you know, but also, you know, give a little backstory as to the context. Yeah. So, um. You know, racial tensions in America uh, have been, you know, a huge topic uh, lately, especially in evangelical circles. And uh, over the last month or so, uh, there have been a couple of conferences um, that have tackled that issue. Um, you have the MLK 50 conference, which is uh, the Martin Luther King conference um, led by uh, Russell Moore um, and the Gospel Coalition. And then you had, I think a week or two afterward, you had the T4G conference, the Together for the Gospel conference, led by Mark Dever and, um, and uh, Ligon Duncan, the BT, and a few other men. And during these conferences, I'm hearing things that really disturb me. Um, I, you know, they were, 
they weren't a dialogue. They were, I, I, it seemed to me they were mostly agreeing with Marxist views on culture and uh, particularly race. So a lot of the speakers um, seem to be suggesting that racial disparities in America proved systemic racism or racial injustice against black Americans. And that idea is Marxist in nature. Um, you know, you prove racial injustice by just naming, you know, laws that are unjust against black Americans. Um, slavery was uh, racial injustice <laughs> because, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, by law, black people could be owned. Um, segregation, Jim Crow, they were racially unjust because you had laws that um, made that legal. Um, today, I've asked people, nobody, and I really mean I've tried, I've asked every single person who doesn't agree with me, just name one law, and nobody has. So, and so, you know, in these conferences, they were saying that I kept asking to my, I kept asking myself, okay, we're deviating from, you know, mosaic justice, and we are agreeing with um, the culture on the March 6th definition of justice. And particularly, David Platt had a sermon where he asked a lot of, uh, you know, particularly white Americans to repent from their apathy uh, to injustice. I kept saying, if you're going to ask, well, really command and rebuke people, you know, and tell them to repent, you have to name what they should repent from. But he couldn't. He simply mentioned racial disparities. So then that led to my article saying, look, evangelicals, are we going to agree with what Moses said on justice or are we going to agree with Marx? And one is biblical, the other isn't. One is helpful, the other isn't, right? Um, one leads to repentance, the other won't. So uh, that's why I wrote that article. So what would you lay out as mosaic justice? So biblically, it would be so uh, I guess to answer that, I have to go back to what David Platt was saying. David Platt was referencing Amos 5, um, where you know, he didn't explain this, but God, well, he did say this, but uh, I'll mention what he didn't explain uh, in a bit. But um, in Amos 5, God is rebuking Israel for neglecting justice. And David Platt used that as um, a basis to say that white Americans particularly were guilty of the same. But what he didn't mention was that God was rebuking Israel because they were uh, overtaxing the poor and they were taking bribes. That is directly against what Moses has said was unlawful or lawful. Um, in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses explicitly says that uh, Israel should not take bribes. So that was the injustice. So Mosaic justice is the laws passed by Moses um, by God's you know, grace. So, so, so if we're so injustice biblically uh, refers to a law that is being you know, broken or transgressed, and I think that is also applicable to us in that if we're going to say there's an injustice, we have to look at a law that is being broken or a law that's not being kept or a law that is uh, particularly unjust or oppressive towards a group. 
So racial injustice, in, in, when we're referring to black Americans, or in our case, black Canadians, we would have to look at a law that oppresses um, our you know, black people. Okay. Well, that was really good. It's, I think this is an important conversation, especially in the Christian context, because you just broke down David Platt's exegesis. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know what exegesis is, exegesis is uh, the science of interpreting scripture. But Can I say one thing? Yeah. See, that's, one of the, that's one of the things that troubles me most, because as I'm listening to his sermon, it is, so his sermon is influenced by a sermon um, from Martin Luther King. And the sermon seemed more like Martin, what Martin Luther King would say about MS5 than what Martin Luther would. And the point is, once you start borrowing Marxist thinking, mm -hmm. you start preaching like Marxist. So mm -hmm. then you then deviate from what, you know, reformed people would preach. So then how he interprets a text, it's just, I'm thinking, how could he come up come to that conclusion mm -hmm. if he read the entire chapter. Mm -hmm. And I love David Platt. He's one of my favorite preachers, but mm -hmm. I was extremely disappointed in that. Yeah. Well, no, what I was going to say was, uh, if anybody knows David Platt, um, you know, please plug him into the show. And I would really like to hear his response back to you. Are you, are you, uh, are you against being corrected? Because you could no, be wrong. No, no. You could be wrong in your exegesis. You know that, right? I could be, but I'm not. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you could be. But would you be open? No, like like straight up. Like as Christians, we come to the text, there's only one interpretation. Yeah. There isn't two interpretations. If there's two interpretations, this conversation's yeah. over, you can go home and we can move on to our next episode. Yeah. But that's not the case. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. straight up. That's not the case. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the scriptures, there's only one interpretation. And what all we want to do is make sure that God is glorified in that. Yeah. I, I believe that David Platt had that intention to glorify the Lord yeah. and he handled the text as best as he could. Mm -hmm. uh, he put it out there. You heard it. You saw some errors with it. Yeah. I thought your your breakdown, your exegesis of uh, what he did was really good, and I think he should give he should be given an opportunity to respond back to you. I agree. Uh, yeah, and just be able to say, oh, actually, you know what, Sam, this is your interpretation is correct because you missed this verse and yeah. you weren't looking at it in light of the biblical theology of this, and that way it's helpful. I think it would be helpful yeah. uh, for everybody to kind of come to the answer. But yeah, I, I, th mm -hmm. I thought this would be really cool to hear yeah. his response back to you. So if anybody that knows David Platt, plug him in. Um, and I, I, I really like to see you guys do it over a coffee, tea. What? <laughs> uh, on the uh, Sixth uh, Sense Report? <laughs> oh yeah, okay. We're on, yeah, we're on the Sixth Sense Report. I'll, 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 I'll be honest. I, I mentioned this in the uh, article. I'm, I'm just a blogger. Uh, these guys are, you know, um, highly influential uh, men um, and in many other issues. I couldn't even sit in the same table uh, as them. But on this issue, they're wrong. And I'm very passionately um, against a lot of what they're saying. Right. But, and, it, and that's the thing that in Christendom, pastors are not untouchable. Mm. But the call is for the laity to be able to hold pastors accountable. So what you're doing is biblical. You're supposed to step to your pastor and be like, whoa, I think you're mishandling the text. Respectfully. Yeah. yeah. Respectfully. Yeah, I would say the way you started the, the blog, I really appreciated because you kind of laid out a context of, 
you know, I would say this guy was wrong on this, yeah. but in general, he's a beast, right? And and you, ju- I just felt it conveyed the right context for people to then read everything else you were saying, um, and then also pay him a little bit of respect. Yeah. Um, would you, as I'm, you know, kind of hearing you two go back and forth, I feel like one of the predicaments with race in our culture, but then all, is is seeping into Christendom is the lack of conversation, mm. right? So if I look at the David Platt th- component, yeah. right there, obviously when there's sermons, you don't have conversation, but like we're not creating a culture to have a conversation about yeah. race. Whereas we would have a conversation around a whole bunch of other things that aren't as politically or, or socially sensitive. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, just, I think it was two days ago. Um, a, a white evangelical in America mentioned that um, he, he's noticed that all the people saying, you know, forget about social justice, just preach the gospel, don't have ancestors that were slaves. Um, with respect to that man, if he had talked to people who didn't just agree with him, he wouldn't say that. I have ancestors who were slaves. My last name is Say because my ancestors were slaves. Um, my mother um, lived right next to, in Ghana, lived right next to a slave castle. They say slave castles, but really slave dungeons, right? Um, you know, so it's, <laughs> there are a lot of people who, you know, so a lot of black people who don't agree with this, but what's happened is if you talk to the other side, you might change your mind and who would want that? So then it's, well, this this people, you know, uh, well, they just don't understand our point of view and so and so. So anyway, sadly, um, you know, at these conferences, there's no uh, diversity of thought. So then, you know, I, I think one of the things that's helpful to me is I talk to people and I read people who I don't agree with because then it challenges me and it makes me, in many cases, more sure of what I believe. Um, but if you're not having a dialogue, which is unfortunately what's not happening, um, so well, what's what's happening? There, there are no dialogues. Then um, we would all come out more ignorant. Um, so, yeah, no, totally. It's interesting because you know, with the MLK Fifty conference, it was missing one important element: this perspective that you have, the purpose, the perspective that. Daryl Harrison has mm. the assumption was that all black people think the same, oh, yeah. or that Don't all like yeah. So it, it was <laughs> it was more like okay, white people are wrong, and all black people think the same. But I'm sure if you were on one of those panels, it would have been a lot of um, so. Yeah, I shouldn't be invited to any of that, um, but. Why not a man like Daryl? Why not a Vadi? Um, but again, they wouldn't be invited because they have the opposing view. You know, so it's funny. Um, when I hear people say, "Well, white Americans, you know, white Canadians or whatever, um, are the only ones who are resisting the issue," I get offended by that because you're saying that me being a black person, if I don't agree with the guys from the MLK Fifty, I'm being like the white people you're calling me not really black, which is very common with people, you know, saying that, you know, 
Uncle Tom's Coons and all that, which has been said. Um, so Matt Chandler, for example, in um, you know, in uh, his talk at MLK Fifty, he said this, and I was shocked by. It. I was very offended. Um, I'm not saying this to slander or be harsh towards um, Matt Chandler, but this is how far we've gotten. Um, where he says that if black, um, if black people agree with white Americans on this issue. Um, it's because they want their approval. What does that mean Whoa. other than... He said that? Yeah. <laughs> and, my, and, my Matt Chandler said that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, snap. And nobody better than that. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, that's racist. Right? <laughs> like, you're at a MLK, MLK, MLK 50 conference talking about racial harmony and you're saying that. Right? But again, in some ways, I don't hold it too against them because how can you not come to that conclusion if you're not having a dialogue with people who disagree with you, right? Including black Christians who disagree with you. So I think um, there's a couple key words or terms that I think we've defaulted what the response to it should be, right? So you were talking about racial disparities and well, David Platt was talking about racial disparities and Let's just say when we identify disparities within our culture, do you think that's something we should completely ignore or what should our response to that be? Yeah, um, I don't think we should ignore that. I think it's, it's important, but I think if we say that racial disparities prove racial injustice, that's when we're really wrong, right? So. I think it's it's if we're looking at the disparities, we're not troubled by it, then something is wrong. We should be troubled by it, but the conclusions that we come from it should also be humble. So when people say that you know the disparities, like uh, David Platt was saying, that the disparities prove racism, that's 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 from Marxist thinking, because you don't see that type of thinking in scripture. You don't see that. Well, you know, you don't see. Uh, the apostles saying, well, there's racial disparities between, you know, sorry, there are tribal disparities between the 12 tribes. So this means this, this, this. You don't see that. But uh, this is what I always say. If considering slavery, considering segregation, you're going to have disparities um, between black Americans and white Canadians. Of course you have. You're not going to eliminate the consequences of, um, of slavery and segregation within a generation it will take time but if we're talking about the consequences that's one thing if we're saying today there's present racial injustice you have to name them you can't simply point to disparities because they're different factors that lead to disparities um so when guys like myself mention fatherlessness being an issue um, people just roll their eyes saying well it can't be just that but if it can't be just that, then why is it that we say that it's just racial injustice? Um, I think there are a number of factors. Uh, I th- now, I do think it's primarily because of fatherlessness. And I'll say that because you have black Canadians, um, black Americans, black Britons, um, uh, black people in France all having similar racial disparities between their white counterparts. Dif- these are people from different cultures, different histories. And yet, the disparities between them 
and their white counterpart is identical. So, for example, um, in in America, um, black people make up 13% of the American population, but I think they make up about 35% of the prison inmates. And then in Canada, black people make up only 3% of the population, but they make up about 10% or 11% of the prison inmates. Now, nobody, most people think that, they wouldn't think that Canada is a white supremacist or, you know, racially unjust nation. But yet, it, actually, the disparity is even worse in Canada than it is in America. But nobody would say, well, that means that Canada is systemically racist. But anyways, the point is this. It's the, the reason why the disparities exist, in my opinion, and I think reason and logic shows this, if you have the similarities between black people and all these foreign nations, what one common denominator is fatherlessness. Right, that is the problem, but that is a hard, that's a lot harder to fix than simply saying, "Well, systemic injustice," because then people just think, "Well, if you just change this law," but to say that, wait a minute, black men need to love their wives and love their children—that's a lot harder to say. And white people just can't say that because too many times the white woke guys just want an easy fix, or it's you know you're gonna get condemned if you say, "Well, hey, there's a cultural problem." you know, that we need to address. Um, and for me, that's, I'm very sensitive to that because I grew up, I grew up without a father and I know, um, you know, the consequences that comes from it. So when I'm hearing people say, well, no, the problem in the community is just racial injustice. I'm thinking, man, you don't really care about me, man. You just want to say something that's easier because if, if we're really trying to fix the issue, then we look at the real problem. The real problem is that unfortunately, you know, um, that, you know, we're failing uh, black women and our children. Wow. Uh, that's heavy. And it's, you know, you touched on a good point about culture because, you know, here in Canada, we champion multiculturalism, but we never talk about culture because inherently not all cultures are the same, whether musically, whether when it comes to sports, you know, certain teams have a certain type of culture. That's why they win. Mm-hmm. Um, but to really look at this quote-unquote uh, black culture and say, okay, well, let's analyze it. Let's compare it to the uh, white culture yeah. or Asian culture. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 that's a good point um, for conversation mm-hmm. for well, people. I would say with the whole disparities thing, right? Like if you really want to address disparities, you know, I think the first response is, okay, here's an opportunity for where let's just say donation or some sort of benevolence mm-hmm. might be more effective, mm-hmm. right? So it's an identifier of people we could help, yeah. regardless of the cause, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so I think that's what, when I was listening to the David Platt, when I was reading your article, it's like, to me, the number one thing is, here's, an, here's a way we can identify people who need our help. Yeah. You know, that to me is a call to white Christians that yeah. nobody can ignore. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're following the gospel, if you're, you know, reading the bible at all you know it's our job to take care of the poor um and so identifying the the people on the lowest end of the disparity spectrum no brainer yeah but then i think having conversation around what are the differences you know does that lead you know if one culture has a tendency to only want to work 40 hours and another tendency has a more willingness to work 70 hours I'm going to expect an income disparity. And by no means was I trying to put 
you know, that statement on any particular cultures. Yeah. It's just a point that that disparity is actually just a matter of, I want to live my life this way. You want to have mm -hmm. the freedom to live your life mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Many factors that goes into it. So in Canada, one of the biggest reasons for the uh, disparities is that most black Canadians are either immigrants or children of immigrants, right? And if you're an immigrant or even a child of an immigrant, you're, you don't have any inheritance, right? Like, so all these things plays into some of the economical uh, disparities. Um, but it's just saddening when people just say, well, it's because this proves that there's a system that's against black people. That's not the that's not the wise way to look at it. But I agree with you. I think you know um, one of the things that saddens me is that I heard people say, "Yeah, you know, people white people are racist if they're not helping black people." I'm like, no, that's not how you should do it because it's possible somebody might be racist and saying, "Oh, I don't care about these disparities, whatever." But if you just but if you if you just use general statements and just say, "Well," white people are racist because they're not helping well i think you know like churches in america particularly you know i hate this term but white american churches um are some of the most charitable uh, groups in america now somebody might say well they're not giving particularly to black people they say okay maybe but then you can ask them to do so right mm -hmm. just say hey you know white brothers would you be so kind to help these neighborhoods but if you just say, well, you're not helping and this means Because that, you're racist. Exactly. That's not going to help anything. You know, uh, I think if we ask questions and if we were slow to speak, you know, and we, you know, then we would um, think have better results and have more uh, unity in, in the charity. But instead, people are just accusing each other and it's not helping. Right. That's a, that's a very good point. Like, when you really look at this disparity in, in the conversation, you're a Christian. And there is a paradigm as a Christian that we interpret the world from, right? So we just we look at things differently. So even when we look at disparity theologically, when did, when did disparity start? At the fall. When will disparity end? The return of Christ. So between that window, there is never... Can I say something to you about that, by the way? Yeah. There will be disparities in the new earth. Okay. <laughs> right? So people are gonna have different types of work yes yes that's right, right. so that's to say disparities <laughs> aren't inherently wrong and they're not bad they're not bad yeah yes. yeah yeah that's a right? good point that's plus, a good point <laughs> plus, plus plus you have you know so in black black americans make up the eighth highest gdp in the world mm -hmm. that is pretty good right mm -hmm. but when you compare it to white americans it's not so good which is why this is this may sound you know well, I'll just say it. I think we have an envy problem because we look at our neighbors saying, well, I don't have what they have. And that's not good because you don't compare yourself to your neighbor. You just be thankful for what God has given you. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about disparities. We okay. should. But that in itself isn't wrong because you're always going to have disparity. You're always going to. Right. The thing is, are you thankful what God has given you? Right? That's why I always say, is the government against you or is it not? If the government's not against you, then just work as hard as you can and be thankful for what you have. And that concludes part of our interview with Sam Say for this present podcast. Please, guys, give us feedback. Let us know what your two cents is on it. And if you want the full interview, 
please direct message us on Twitter by following us, or you can con- get in contact with, with us on Facebook and email us sixcentsreport at gmail.com. But you heard me? Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.